Welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with me, your host, Hattie Butterworth. I'm a cellist and writer in my final year at the Royal College of Music in London, and I think we need a new way of talking. I've spent many, many years feeling in the dark about issues in the classical music profession. So often it can feel like you're the only person struggling with anxiety, depression, career doubts, money, injuries, and so much more. Who do we go to when we feel we've had enough, for whatever reason? Join me and guests as we end the stigma with honest conversations about the things musicians don't talk about. Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode in a three-part series that I've started on this platform, exploring the relationship between lower incomes and classical music, and how they fit or don't fit together. And today I'm interviewing Emily about her experiences and I really hope you find it as thought-provoking as Finn's was um, last week and I really enjoyed talking to her. So yes, I really hope you enjoy this. So hi, um, I'm Emily um, and I'm a violinist. I just graduated from doing an undergrad um, reading music at Oxford and I'm going back to do my master's this year. And then after that, I'd hope, I'm hoping to um, go on to conservatoire. My musical background um, so far, um, I started the violin when I was seven at my um, state primary school. So the music lessons, my violin lessons, were originally funded partly by the government. They were subsidised. And then my violin teacher left the music, this um, county music service, and so I carried on with her privately. Um, and I've had private lessons ever since then. So my parents um, are divorced, and my mum is on a fairly low income. So she wasn't able to fund my lessons herself. So my, I'm very lucky. My grandparents stepped in and paid have paid for my violin lessons until, until actually until I went to university. So I was obviously very lucky in that respect, and it wouldn't have been possible without them. So yeah, I didn't do GCSE music, but I did do A level, um, and the A level was what sort of inspired me to do it at university. I did um, take part in NCO, but um, I did it on a full scholarship. And uh, while I was there, um, I was quite aware that everyone else that I um, came into contact with, who I became friends with, all paid the full amount. And I mean, that didn't get in in the way of me making like great friendships and things. But it was kind of the first time that I became quite aware of how your family's income uh, can potentially get in the way or create a barrier between you and your peers. In order to fund my full-size violin when I was about 14, um, I had to apply to loads of charities, including um, awards for young musicians and various funds that were um, charities that were around um, my local area because obviously like investing in a, a full-size instrument that's decent enough is quite is quite a lot of money and so yeah that wouldn't have been possible either without help from um, like other sources. Thank you yeah I think that the main thing I 
I'm thinking about what you say is this idea of, yeah, you can get into the classical world and you, you, you know, you had this brilliant scholarship to get into, you know, the NCO main orchestra and, that's great, but you get there and you're meeting people and you sort of realise that you're different. And I think that's something that um something I've experienced definitely financially, but it's 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 slightly the flaw in many parts of the education system and, and especially the private education system is that yes, they might have full scholarships to boarding schools or scholarships to specialist music schools or whatever, but then there are there is the the, th- the fact that you get there and you realise that you have to, you're, you're with people that have a different income level and then you have to live up to that in some ways, whether it's even something very small, like everyone else has, if you're younger, you know, everyone else has a better mobile phone than me or everyone else can afford to travel in Ubers everywhere or, you know, this, yeah. is, this is something really important. That it's like because the level of income is a lot higher, you then feel sometimes as you say, you know, an outsider, because you can't quite live up to it in, in many different ways. But, you know, how has, has your background altered the way you kind of viewed and interacted with the classical music world? You know, has it made it more difficult to find your place in it? Or, or did you not really see that? It was, there were, you know, was there a, a prejudice there? Was it, was it more difficult, do you think? I think the thing is, like, in the music world, I've, I've found, I don't know about you, but a lot of the people that I've interacted with have just been absolutely lovely. And so um, there's n- never anything really conscious that is sort of getting in the way. I think people, um, yeah, they, they don't tend, at least in my experience, they haven't tended to um, think any less of me because they're aware of my financial background. But having said that, um, there are some things that I've come across, it, especially um, since going to university, um, that have um, sort of highlighted my the differences between me and my peers. And for instance, um, there are like a lot of ensembles at my uni and they are quite competitive to get into. There's an audition process. And so I arrived at the university not really knowing anyone I was the only person out of my well no one of two people out of my huge sixth form college that went to the same uni as me doing music and um so yeah I didn't I arrived didn't know anyone and I found that uh, there was a there was a lot of students who already knew each other because of various um orchestras they'd been in particularly um in like London um, or they'd done NYO and things. And so they knew a lot of people before they even arrived. And therefore, um, obviously, that meant that they had a huge support network um, in place already. And it also meant that um, because, for instance, particularly at my uni, there's the audition process is um, the, pa- the people on the panel are students. And therefore, they they then know people in the year in the years below who are auditioning and you know maybe not consciously but are maybe more likely to choose someone they know who is good over someone that they have never heard of and have seen in in the audition yeah I personally found that um I wasn't 
given any of the the top orchestras, uh, student orchestras, and then had to find sort of, I had to work my way into the scene. And in comparison, a lot of the people that I then came in contact with who were playing the violin um, were already in the, these orchestras. Yeah, so I was kind of like always working behind them. I felt like I was always playing catch up um, in order to progress through the orchestras as it, as it were, like, because um, you start off, they tend to put you in the like worst seats, like at the back of sections and things. And so when I arrived, the, the, my peers who who were in the same year as me and had auditioned at the same time were already further ahead kind of thing. So, yeah, so I found that I had to sort of, in order to break into this, the sort of music scene at my university in the first place, I actually needed a contact that I had, I had made previously. Um, and because this person dropped out um, of an of an orchestra um, for a particular term, suggested my name, and then I was asked to play. And so, like, since then, um, I kind of, I accepted every single invitation to play in an orchestra that I possibly could, just so people became aware that I was a player um, mm-hmm. and there, and saw me in the concert and therefore asked me for more. And kind of, that's how I had to get my name out. So in that sense, I kind of really did feel like an outsider because I, I felt like I was disadvantaged because I didn't have this network before I came. Uh, but yeah, having said that, obviously no one meant any <laughs> there were no hard feelings towards me in that yeah. sense but it did become quite frustrating it can make you feel even an, on a very low level you know if you're in a youth orchestra and you're right at the back of the section you kind of you know what that means and you yeah. know you kind of subconsciously don't really want to try do you know what I mean yeah exactly but I'm I think it's it's awesome that you you realized that it wasn't fair you know and you pushed to be recognized and and know your worth and you know, it's this thing, isn't it, of privilege through exposure, which I think you talk about and is really important to mention because, yeah, OK, financial privilege is, is one part of it. But actually living in London or growing up in London and having exposure to these ensembles and contacts, and that's a very different type of privilege that some people have and, and maybe don't even realise and, and is clearly exposed, you know, in your uni at Oxford, how like yeah, there are all these people that have these preformed contacts. And because you come from, you know, probably a state school where few people have heard of it, you've had limited opportunities, and maybe you came to the realisation to want to do music a bit later. Because of that, you haven't had all these years and years of contacts and getting to know people and knowing who's going to give you the seat where and who know. Yeah, and that is really tough. I can totally see why that would be incredibly difficult yeah yeah I mean Um, I did just sort of answering to what you were just saying I did mm -hmm. I did go to um I've been state educated all the way through and Mm -hmm. um it's actually really interesting talking to some of my friends who have you know known that they've wanted to go to Oxford or Cambridge since they were about 12 or even younger you know it's or it's something that their parents have wanted them to do Right. Yeah. And or maybe they've wanted to know, they've known they've wanted to do music for years and years and years. Whereas I, um, I didn't do GCSE music. Carried, I just, you know, I've been playing the violin for years, but I just didn't consider doing academic music until I thought, well, I might as well try the A level. 
absolutely loved it and was like well oh that's it kind of opened Mm. so many new doors for me so then I I applied and it's just yeah it's just really interesting because some of my friends just find it a completely alien concept that I that you may not know what you want to do until it comes to the actual application process (laughs) um yeah and so you know I and I as I said before I didn't I only knew one other person from my school who then went to the same university as me in mm. doing my subject. So I just, yeah, I just, I think there's just such a huge difference um, between, but just between this, this, our situations, my situation and like people who've come from <laughs> this sort of background. Yeah. Had you considered going to like a junior department or anything or was that kind of no, too, no, too far away, or I mean, obviously. Well, I come from Somerset, so um, mm. it would have been it would have been a lot of travelling, and also it was just something that was never really on my radar radar at all. Um, I I don't think I even knew they were a thing until um, I actually went to university um, because mm. I ju- because <laughs> there's not really that much music in Somerset uh especially well like in, in comparison to places like London and so you just you just don't hear about these sorts of things <laughs> um yeah. and I mean I've got some I had some friends who I that I met through doing music that went to private schools and so I and I obviously I did NCO and I came into contact with a lot of I think pretty much all the people I came into contact through NCO went to private school um and so I kind of had like experience like I I kind of seen sort of like what it was like to um go to private school and things like that and so maybe I'd made like picked up on on it then I don't really know but basically I hadn't really become aware of junior departments at all Mm. um and it was I'd never even considered it um as an option and and obviously when you arrive and you realize that all that these people have been prepared and preparing for the this for for these three years and for their music career if they wanted to do so they've been been preparing it for, for it for su- from such a long young age it, <laughs> it obviously makes you feel really disadvantaged because all I you know I've just been practicing basically you know I just haven't had the same sort of um education in that sense mm, yeah it, it's amazing actually how many people I've known from my um, so I, I, you know, went to Birmingham Junior Conservatoire. Okay. And I also played in my youth orchestra. And it's amazing how many of those people now who I'm still in contact with said, you know, I wish I'd have done a junior department, but I just didn't know they existed. My yeah. teacher didn't tell me or it wasn't made clear. And I think that could be a way that people from lower income backgrounds could get into the world because I was on a full scholarship to Birmingham okay. and they're much they're much more aware and understanding about financial need in those kind of pro- projects than they are later on but it is amazing how you know little is known about them and I think they can provide an amazing provision for people who want to you know break into the world but I actually only heard about it because I auditioned for Cheatham's unsuccessfully <laughs> and they said why don't you try 
you know, going to this junior department first. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. Yeah. You know, and then I was able to meet people, as you say, you know, and you, you meet these people again and again throughout your musical life. And if you don't know about it, how do you, how do you break through? How, you know, how do you, yeah, make yourself known? But uh, I just thought we could then now talk about, you know, what do you think needs to happen then within the classical world or, in university or in music college, what needs to happen to make it a more hospitable environment for those from lower income backgrounds? Obviously, it's quite, (laughs) it's quite difficult um, to sort of answer that. But um, I think kind of related to the junior department thing, I think one of the things is that there isn't that much music outside of the main cities. And therefore, I think... (laughs) I don't know there needs to be more provision for yeah like junior departments and I mean there are you obviously there are county youth orchestras and things and I was part of mine um and that was absolutely like a great it was just so so much fun and it really has helped my musical development but I think there does need to be more music provision um and and higher sort of higher standard education outside of the main curriculum in the like outside cities really I think um and then because you get a lot of people I think obviously like if you live in in London and in the big cities then you're potentially more likely in music circles to come from a higher income background and therefore maybe one of the ways in which to to reach um lower income students is to yeah to kind of branch out from the main cities potentially but the thing is obviously like you need money um you need money to participate in music because obviously like you've got the instrument lessons um and the the sheet music itself is really expensive Mm. um the and the instruments and things and strings and and strings and everything bow herring re-herring and everything Mm. like so unless your the instrument lessons are provided free to start with um then i I don't really see how um, it's going to be possible to introduce lower income like kids to music because Mm -hmm. I found that, you know, um, people who study music at university almost inevitably have come to music, academic music through an instrument. And, Mm -hmm. and and if you can't get, if you can't get the instrumental tuition, without access to a certain income, then it's not going to be possible to sort of widen the pool of people who um, study academic music. So there's that problem in the first place. And I mean, and so it's, it's about like sparking the interest in classical music in the first place, um, in the, the sorts of children and, and young people who wouldn't necessarily have thought that they would be interested in it mm-hmm. in the first place. And those students are often students or young people are often um come from a lower income background because it's just not on their radar in any way and I mean there are some very good like schemes done through various concert halls and 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 orchestras and and things like that um that are introducing some young people from disadvantaged areas into um like opera and classical music and there are you know student uh, reduced priced concert tickets and things but you know you need to be interested in the music in the first place in order to actually want to buy a concert ticket 
Um, exactly, yeah. And because government funding is being dramatically cut it, for music, tuition and 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 um, academic music, it's... I, I don't really see how a way out of this, really, because you basically you need money in order to participate. And if the government is cutting funding, then it's just, yeah, it, it's killing it, really. And I don't really um, see how a way out of that, really. I think you're right, though, is like to be able to introduce students, young kids to music is that then we have a greater chance of them taking it up and then protesting for this to be made available. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if we don't even give them the option, then how do we know that they that they want it? You know, they it's probably something that they don't feel is something they can access. I mean, yes, I came from a, a lower income background, but I was privileged in the sense that, you know, my dad is a retired vicar, so he obviously exposed me to a lot of church music and classical music and I have privilege in that sense even if I didn't have financial privilege you know what I mean so it's this thing of like having them exposed but also yeah creating provisions for for that but I, I understand exactly what you mean you know we can't really do much while there's such a reduction in interest from the government towards state music education because I actually remember when I was um maybe in year eight or nine, so this would be 2010 or 11, I remember that there was a scheme that was introduced for literally no time at all. I think it was like a year. And the scheme was that all children on free school meals could have a free free musical um, instrumental lessons. Wow. And I'll never forget. Yeah, I know. And I remember <laughs> in my school, because it was in a very disadvantaged area and had a lot of people on free school meals the uptake of musical instruments was incredible like the school orchestra grew so big and it was like amazing but it only lasted like a year so I don't know what happened to that scheme but it was incredible and I would love for something like that to be brought back because wow it was fab yeah that sounds that sounds incredible um yeah yeah. I mean because I because I didn't my first year sort of extended essay on like government funding and stuff in music (laughs) and it was a very depressing project actually Mm. because um like the stats um that (laughs) basically yeah there's just so much of it is being cut and there there have been schemes in the past where um, instrumental lessons have been funded completely free for students but that just doesn't exist anymore and um it's uh, yeah it's all about generating that interest in the first place and i i'm the same i so my um my grand she plays um well she played piano um she didn't really take that many of like the abrsm grades but she but she um played in church for the organ and stuff and so i was sort of introduced to music through her mm. and um so yeah i was privileged in that sense because there was some music but then having said that, I'm also like the rest of my family, like neither of my parents are particularly musical. Um, and, you know, I don't see my grand that much. And so, you know, I was the only one apart from my, my brother to do lessons and stuff. Um, but he he kind of has given it up, really. Um, he's 
he refuses to practice and so <laughs> he therefore has basically given it up but um so I'm kind of the only one in my family as um as such who's kind of like actually doing pursuing music to any level and and actually in another way it's like it's it, it's not isolating I wouldn't spend it that far but um you know I'm the only one who has studied it um uh you know at a level or university and so it's yeah it's a weird one because um they kind of even within my family that's like relative like quite tolerant of it they don't really understand why I enjoy it so much my dad's mm. side of the family completely non-musical they just think I'm like really posh because I like classical music exactly yeah and um there is like this image that classical music has and there's sort of like almost like stigma around it because you're just considered like yeah really posh and like um therefore you know not interested at all in in pop music music or anything interesting mm. um because you you're you sort of are in these circles and I think um that is something that needs to be broken down in order to so so people aren't put off and are mm. encouraged to try it out um if they, I think that's yeah yeah if they, that's such a good point sorry sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah just encouraged to, to try it out if they like you know if they hadn't have even considered it beforehand and I think that's just a really important thing because um a lot of the student like I keep saying students a lot of the people who wouldn't be um interested in it wouldn't be um in those sort of circles those classical music circles um and they wouldn't have had any access to it through their family members and things yeah I think it really reminds me actually I've never really made this connection but it reminds me of you know Billy Elliot the yeah the film and I think there has been I mean maybe the dancer would disagree with me but it feels like um ballet is now the stigma around being a ballerina is not quite as great anymore because maybe of Billy Elliot and and there's been a lot more um you know social media and media coverage of ballet and the royal ballet and yeah. it's now something incredibly sort of that everyone can understand in to some level and it get excited about um and that is a classical art form classical music all of that is involved with ballet and yet we don't quite have the same the general population don't feel quite the same maybe about classical music yet yeah and I mean it's not really covered is it in any sort of pop culture (laughs) in that sense like as in you know in like films and things it's just Mm. not really unless it's sort of I don't know it, it just has this image and it never is presented as anything other than being you know white posh and old yeah. people or <laughs> or Literally. very very elite sort of music schools um mm. and so yeah then if I hadn't had any connection to classical music from my family and um hadn't taken a level then I probably would also think it was very inaccessible um in that sense um so it's it's a it's really a really strange thing to think about actually (laughs) yeah Um, yeah but I think you've you've clearly like 
you haven't tolerated the divide. You know, I think that's brilliant is that you've gone to uni and you've seen this isn't right. And you, I mean, you mentioned to me before we went on the call about how you've got involved with the audition process for your uni orchestras. And I think that's exactly the right thing to have done to then, you know, notice the, um, what's the word? Prejudice, notice what's wrong and get involved to put it right. And that's so important because I think people then below you aren't going to have the same kind of experience and have a more positive and more kind of inclusive experience of starting uni. I think that's just absolutely brilliant that you've that you've done that. It's really important to like talk about these things. Otherwise, nothing's going to change. Um, mm. So, that yeah, I, I'm, I'm so pleased that, that you're doing this in the first place because it's, it's such an important thing to do just to get a conversation started about it. Because um, if no one talks about these things then yeah nothing's gonna happen um well yeah and I mean it wouldn't also wouldn't happen without you coming forward and and sharing your you know your story with me which has been really really eye-opening and yeah I'm just so grateful that you're that you're here and that you're doing things to change the world and (laughs) and and are willing to share what is you know, a difficult story to share in some ways because it is the minority story. Yeah. Um, but it's it's great. So thank you so much for talking. No, to no, us. honestly, like I'm just so glad I can help and I can. No, you really have. Can, so thank yeah, you so much. <laughs>